Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. It is a busy and perilous time around the world and here at home. The rapid events in Afghanistan grabbed attention this week as the Taliban quickly took over as America withdrew from the 20 years of military commitment that started after 9-11. Today's guest has called for the president's national security team to be dismissed. COVID numbers in Kentucky reached new highs with hospitals scrambling again and having to delay regular care in some cases. There's also more economic uncertainty as businesses take new measures to protect workers and fears about inflation start to flare. Congressman Andy Barr, Republican of Lexington, is our guest this morning. will also discuss his role in trying to determine the origins of COVID-19, why he voted against the American Rescue Plan that sent money directly to Kentucky. Barr is expected to run for re-election next year, although uh, he doesn't exactly know what his district will end up looking like. And there were some recent hints that he could be eyeing something else. So a lot to talk about with Congressman Andy Barr, and we welcome you and thank you for coming in. Appreciate Great to it be as with you. So we've all seen the uh, chaotic scenes uh, this week. Afghanistan uh, topping the world headlines uh, at a time when U.S. troops are being withdrawn very rapidly. Uh, it quickly led to the Taliban uh, taking over. As we approach 20 years of military involvement there, do you support the concept of pulling American troops troops out, just not in the way it has happened. Well, of course, I support a uh, orderly uh, and conditional withdrawal of troops so long as we, number one, maintain the security situation um, and, most importantly, continue to protect the homeland. You know, I think President Biden thinks that he's finished with Afghanistan, but Afghanistan is not finished with him and, and Afghanistan is not finished with the United States. And it's telling and it is an indictment of the debacle and the incompetent and disorderly withdrawal and retreat from Afghanistan by this administration that we now have more American boots on the ground as a result of this chaotic uh, pullout uh, than we did when uh, President Biden took office. And, and what I would say as a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee is that because of this incompetent retreat from Afghanistan and the uh, Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, I believe that this uh, will be seen in the history books as one of the most disheartening, embarrassing, disastrous, um, and predictable foreign policy catastrophes of our lifetime. You have called for the president's national security team to be dismissed. Uh, do you have any reason to believe that uh, that could happen? Well, look, I mean, I, I think this whole, the way this whole all was executed and mishandled is a total slap in the face to every uh, man and, 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 and woman who served under the flag of the United States, serving in uniform over these last 20 years, keeping America safe, keeping our homeland safe. Um, and that's why I say this is so disheartening. I have received so many calls from Afghanistan, emails and text messages from members of my Veterans Coalition, uh, men and women who served in Afghanistan who are so upset about how this happened, and uh, Gold Star families whose loved ones gave the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our freedom and to protect our homeland, who are so angry about how this happened, and, and they don't, they're questioning how this could possibly, how any administration uh, could let this happen to erase 20 years of progress in the fight against terrorism, and now we are more um, 
in peril and less safe than we were on September 10th, 2001. I just got off the phone on a conference call with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I learned something new this morning, and that is that as of this morning, uh, the Taliban is in possession of more Black Hawk helicopters than our ally Australia. And these are our Black Hawk helicopters. So we have left behind uh, 10 to 15,000 American citizens um, that are in harm's way, uh, that are at risk of being dragged through the streets and, and hanged um, and burned alive by the Taliban. We have our uh, uh, artillery, our small, small arms uh, weapons, uh, our Black Hawk helicopters, other aircraft and tanks that are now in the hands of the Taliban. And what we saw over the weekend, what we witnessed in horror, uh, as the Taliban overran the Bagram Air Base and the, and the associated prison where there were thousands of terrorists, enemy combatants that had been apprehended over the years by U.S. forces and were t detained there, the largest jailbreak of terrorists and suicidal jihadists since the beginning of the war on terror. The American people are much less safe today, not only because these terrorists are armed with our own weapons because of this hasty retreat, an unplanned and disorganized retreat. But because this administration has no operational control over the southern border, our, our, our border is wide open. And this is an extremely dangerous situation for the American people. You have said that uh, you do support the withdrawal. It has been 20 years. Was there a way uh, to do this uh, in an orderly way that would not have resulted in what happened? Or was it inevitable that the Taliban no, would take over? It, not inevitable. And for the President of the United States to say that is, uh, is absolutely absurd. It, is, it runs totally contrary to the history and to the intelligence. The fact of the matter is the previous administration had uh, been drawing down. He inherited a, a, a force of about 10,000 U.S. troops. We were down to 2,500 in an orderly, uh, an orderly withdrawal process based on conditions. It was a condition-based withdrawal. This was an unconditional retreat. This president reversed the policy of the previous administration. And believe me, the Taliban was not deterred by this administration. And now other adversaries, like the Chinese Communist Party and Russia and Iran, uh, they are looking at this retreat uh, and they're seeing weakness and failure by this commander in chief and his national security team. And as a result, our allies are much less safe. And so look, what the previous administration was doing uh, was engaging with the Taliban on conditions. And whenever the Taliban violated those conditions, the United States brought um, um, strength and retaliation to the Taliban, and they knew um, that there would not be a withdrawal when they didn't meet the conditions. Congressman, this is where we are now, though. Uh, in your view, uh, how can the U.S. move forward? Is there any way to, uh, to correct some of the things that have gone wrong? Well, yes. I mean, I think there's a lot of things. Number one, when we get back to Washington, we're, uh, we have a, a call with the White House tomorrow, and then when we get back, we'll, we'll get a classified briefing. I have called on the entire national security team to resign because uh, of the debacle that has ensued. But what we want from this administration is an accounting of the exact number of Americans that we have abandoned and left behind. And the fact that this president and this uh, Secretary of Defense and National Security Team will not guarantee that we will do everything we can to move heaven and earth to make sure every one of those Americans is evacuated is shameful. It is shameful that they have uh, precipitously withdrawn um, and left our Afghan allies who, who, who fought and risked their lives beside American service personnel for the last 20 years and, and abandoned Bagram Air Base in a way to extract those people before 
Um, they were able to get out before the Taliban was overrun. Their lives are at risk right now. So what we want from the administration right now is a full accounting of the Americans who have been left behind. We want a full accounting of the equipment and weapons and aircraft that have fallen into enemy hands right now so that we can take remedial action. And then I'm going to call on the administration as a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee to immediately send a delegation to Taiwan uh, to reassure our allies in Taiwan that we will counter uh, Chinese aggression. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party is looking at what's happening. They notice that we've, we've abandoned Bagram, we've abandoned our friends in, in Afghanistan. They're taking note. We need to send a delegation to Ukraine uh, to send a message to Putin uh, that, that um, we will not tolerate any uh, adventurism on the part of uh, Putin in and Russia in Ukraine. And we need to immediately pull out of the Vienna talks to send a message to the mullahs in Tehran that uh, we're not going to uh, uh, stand for re-entering a flawed Iran nuclear deal. Do you expect your suggestions to be uh, heard and, uh, and maybe acted on? Well, I mean, so far, uh, obviously, uh, this administration is, is uh, completely incompetent and not deterring our enemies. Uh, this retreat, this surrender, is sending a terrible message. And, 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 Bill, here's the thing that I think the American people need to understand, that is, why this national security team needs to be replaced immediately. As a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee, we warned this administration not to abandon Bagram precipitously in, as part of their evacuation strategy, their retreat strategy. They ignored us. We warned them that the security situation on the ground was going to deteriorate if they abandoned the, the Afghan National Army and the, the security forces there. They ignored that. Then the intelligence community warned us as a bipartisan delegation in Congress, and we know they were warning the administration. They had the same access to the very same intelligence because, frankly, it was the administration itself that was briefing us that because of the disorganized retreat uh, that was being executed by the Biden administration, the, the situation was deteriorating and the Taliban are, was taking over the provincial capital. Are you for, for keeping a, a long-term force in, in, in part of the, the country? Um, what I said multiple times over the last five, six months to this administration, both privately and in public hearings, was if you're going to withdraw from Afghanistan, why are you abandoning the Bagram Air Base? We, we had 2,500 residual troops. We had, in all intents and purposes, not only secured the victory, but we retained our counterterrorism mission uh, and we had an air base on the back door of the People's Republic of China. If the plan is to pivot to deter China, why are we giving up an air base in a country with the only border to China? And so, look, no one wants endless wars, but we've had a, uh, a presence in Japan and Germany and South Korea for 75 years. Th this presence that we had remaining at Bagram Air Base uh, was smaller than the number of troops that we have in Spain. So for a very limited cost, and not to nation build or to promote an endless war, but simply to deter and to prevent the Taliban from taking over and also uh, to deter the Chinese Communist Party, Bagram was a strategic asset that was needlessly given away. All right, that has been the major international and domestic story of the week. We will see what next week brings when those questions come up in Washington. The COVID-19 issue is, of course, of a major concern here in the U.S. We're going to let's take a break. We'll come back with Congressman Andy Barr. We'll talk about that and several other topics ahead on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers.
Welcome back now to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Congressman Andy Barr, Republican of Central Kentucky. COVID-19 rampant in the U.S. again, despite the development and distribution of vaccines. Uh, how to handle that is controversial uh, nationwide here in Kentucky. Governor Bashir says more Kentuckians are in the ICU with COVID now than ever before. Congressman, it's a tough situation that the country is uh, facing right now. Uh, has enough been said about uh, vaccines in, in your view? Well, I voted for Operation Warp Speed, which I think was one of the most successful uh, medical um, public-private partnerships in not just American history, but world history. We were able, through uh, the generosity of the American taxpayer and the ingenuity and innovation of the American private sector and the biopharmaceutical industry, to bring from zero to um, approval under an emergency use authorization less than a year, multiple safe and effective vaccines. And so I was proud to support uh, that uh, through the CARES Act, the Operation uh, Warp Speed, uh, the previous administration's, I think, greatest success in uh, combating uh, COVID. And uh, in terms of the original strain, the Wuhan strain, not the Delta or the, of the Lambda, but th that vaccine was what uh, defeated the original phase one of this disease, of this pandemic, and was was the key contributor to reopening our economy and getting our kids back to school. You do not support mandating vaccines or uh, ma mandating masks, right? No, I, I don't think mandates is the way to go. I think a, a public education campaign about the safety and the efficacy of these uh, vaccines is, I think, the way to go. Could more have been done in that regard? I mean, it, 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 there's a lot out there on the the, the the safety and the science, right? Well, right, and look, there is a lot. There's a there's a lot, and I, and what I would say to my viewers or anybody who's skeptical about uh, the the what I would call the Trump vaccine, the Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson vaccine, the Operation Warp Speed that that I voted for is is there's more safety and efficacy data on this vaccine than almost any other vaccine in human history. I know people are a lot of people are waiting for the FDA to give final approval for this as opposed to the emergency youth authorization but the fda has plenty of data you called it the trump vaccine you know does this have to be so political well it shouldn't be it shouldn't be political but you know it, it was a bipartisan congressional piece of legislation that was supported by a republican president president trump and then the private sector so really you know, everybody involved and the American people as taxpayers who contributed to this, we should all take credit for it and recognize that the United States of America, for all the bad news out there right now, the good news is that the United States of America and particularly the taxpayers and the pr American private sector through innovation and, and ingenuity really defeated uh, this virus. And the only reason why we have uh, a, this, this rise of variants uh, is frankly because uh, the rest of the world hasn't been vaccinated. We have an open border, and so Delta has come in uh, to our country. But the good news is even... Well, we have even counties in Kentucky, though, with uh, less than 40% vaccinated. Right well, that, that's true. And again, the education process uh, needs to continue. And I do encourage people to take a look at the, this uh, vaccine and, and decide for yourself. If you're an adult, 
Um, but what we also know, and it's important for uh, our viewers, your viewers, and my constituents to know that the vast majority of the folks in ICU in our hospitals right here in central Kentucky are unvaccinated. And it goes to show that, that these uh, vaccines are, are very safe and very effective. You're on a committee that is looking into the origins of uh, COVID-19. What is your goal on that committee? Well, look, we need to get to the bottom of how this started and hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable. Uh, the lab leak theory has become more and more likely. Uh, just as we said early, early on, many in the media and uh, m many uh, supporters of the current president um, uh, dismissed this, but as uh, more and more evidence has come out, it's pretty clear that whether it was a deliberate bioweapon or whether it was just negligence that there was a release, uh, that has, the evidence is mounting on that. We do know, regardless, that the, the CCP uh, co-opted the World Health Organization to cover this up and enabled the spread of the disease, and the Chinese Communist Party needs to be held accountable. Um, we produced in the House Foreign Affairs Committee an updated report that shows the mounting evidence for uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology as the origin of COVID-19. Some people don't want to pay attention to that. I think it's critically important uh, because we need to hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable uh, for um, uh, uh, this uh, terrible catastrophe to both public health and uh, our economy. And, um, and I'm working on a legislation in my capacity as the chairman of the, or the ranking member of the National Security Subcommittee on the Financial Services Committee with oversight over sanctions on a tough sanctions bill on China to hold them accountable for this. Do you think you can get access to the information you need on that committee? Well, we've, we've had access um, on both uh, the National Security Subcommittee and also the Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, we've had access to both classified and unclassified briefings. We recently released a report, unclassified, that the American people review. And uh, again, the evidence is, is, is very solid uh, that, 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 that the Chinese Communist Party is responsible. You have also uh, tied some of the COVID challenges into uh, illegal crossings of the U.S. southern border. Although there's also a report that there have been record apprehensions there, uh, when will Congress and the administration finally look at uh, at uh, you know the immigration picture, the big picture, and uh, and come up with some reforms that might uh, solve some of those issues that really haven't been touched since the 90s? You know, I voted for a bill when we were last in the majority, when Republicans were last in the majority, that would have taken a comprehensive approach, dealt with the guest worker problem that we need to fix for Central Kentucky in our ag agriculture sector, uh, look at high-skilled immigration and, and make sure that we're uh, 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 enhancing U.S. competitiveness with that, but also securing our border. And unfortunately, um, that did not uh, become law. But now we have this disastrous open border policy from this administration, and the American people and my constituents are crying out and, and saying, we've got to end this hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of saying we want to take uh, COVID seriously and impose mask mandates and vaccine mandates. Uh, but when it comes to the southern border, allow all these people to come into our country who are coming from Delta variant and Lambda variant hot, hot spots, not test them for COVID, and then as part of catch and release, release them into the interior of the country unvaccinated and untested. And so why do we have a rise in, in the Delta variant? This is probably not the exclusive, but a factor in why we have a rise in the Delta variant. And, and look, I don't think the American people should tolerate a situation where they as vaccinated American citizens get tested for COVID as a condition for them coming into the country. But if you're an illegal migrant, 
uh, you don't get tested. You get you, and you're released into the interior of the country. The Customs and Border Protection folks are seeing a spike in COVID among their people because of all the um, the um, the COVID positive migrants that are coming across the border. The economy seems to be uh, you know having fits and starts, but uh, recovering from the situation. And in, in, in some cases, some sectors are strong. The jobless uh, uh, numbers came in uh, this week, uh, the lowest in in some 17 months. One thing that was to address that was the American Rescue Plan Act passed by the Democrats. Kentucky's getting billions of dollars from that, 120 million in Lexington that they're trying to figure out what they're, uh, how they're going to apply that. More than nine million dollars each in Richmond and Georgetown. Uh, you oppose that bill. Uh, would you have voted for any amount of money to come in in another bill if you could have worked that out, or, or did you think this was the wrong approach? Well, I think your viewers know that I'm a fiscal conservative, and I think it's telling that Lexington doesn't even know what to do with this money. I mean, here's the bottom line is that bill uh, followed $4 trillion, $4 trillion of mostly borrowed funds in, in five bar bipartisan bills that I supported in response to COVID. We had done Operation Warp Speed. We had done, done the uh, personal protective equipment. We had done the PPP program for small businesses. We had done enhanced unemployment. And we had recovered and, uh, and vaccines were made available. Distribution was happening. And President Biden proposed this bill. Less than 9% of it was for COVID relief. Less than 9% of it was for public health, for vaccine distribution, uh, for equipment or anything related, anywhere remotely related to COVID. Most of it was a progressive wish list um, that had been sitting on the shelf waiting for the opportunity. There was billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars to bail out blue states, mismanaged blue states for unrelated COVID liabilities. There was an additional round of enhanced unemployment that created a huge problem in our labor market. And central Kentucky businesses uh, have, been, uh, have been asking me for months to end these enhanced unemployment benefits, which are, which are in effect paying Americans not to work after we had reopened the economy. And so it's, it's really tragic, it, all of this uh, spending, this $2 trillion of, of deficit spending on top of the $4 trillion that we had already focused right. on COVID. Do, uh, and this is, this is why we have an inflation do problem. Do you support the infrastructure bill that got bipartisan support in the Senate? It's $1.2 trillion. Uh, it's coming to the House. Will you get a, a clear vote on that? I don't know if we're going to get a clear vote on that because uh, Speaker Pelosi says she's going to condition uh, that a bill on passing the $3.5 trillion in additional borrowing uh, for what they call human infrastructure, the Green New Deal, unrelated uh, social spending and, the, and, and what I would call a, a, a socialism agenda. If you get a vote on the $1.2 trillion, well, you support it? Well, I've got some concerns about it. I've got questions about it because um, it gives unprecedented authority to the Secretary of Transportation to impose new taxes. Um, uh, it's overly weighted to the urban areas. There's more money in there for mass transit and urban priorities than there is, including in the broadband. Um, broadband expenditures directed toward the urban areas as opposed to rural states like Kentucky. So I'm open to it. I've got a lot of questions. I'd like to see it amended. Uh, but only one-tenth of even the bipartisan bill is for roads and bridges, and I think that's insufficient. And I also think that adding another two, uh, $250 billion to the def deficit when we could be relying on 
more regulatory streamlining is a better way to pay for it. i got a few seconds left. State legislature will do redistricting. Uh, clearly the 6th district has gained population. You'll have to shed some. Uh, the 5th district lost. There'll be some uh, lines redrawn. Do you have a preference on how your district shapes up? Well, I want a 10-year map that can withstand scrutiny in both state and federal court. I want it to be a legal map, and I don't want it to be subject to a challenge. And number two, I want the district, and, and again, this is, um, this is something that the legislature in Frankfurt uh, is responsible for doing. It's not uh, done in Washington, so uh, this will be done in Frankfurt. But I do, I would prefer to have the, the 6th Congressional District, even though we have to lose about 33,000 people according to the census numbers, to retain a central Kentucky bluegrass region character, meaning Toyota, the University of Kentucky, the bourbon industry, the, the horse industry, we want a bluegrass congressional district. And you are running for re-election. I am. We've right. got a lot of uh, crises, uh, the inflation crisis, the national security crisis, the border crisis, and I want to I help uh, take back uh, the House right. to provide a check and balance to this administration. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Across America, the Delta variant is on the rise. Now some Americans will be eligible for a booster shot. Healthcare workers, nursing home residents, older Americans will be the first in line. Our chief national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren, explains. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. Across the nation, the highly contagious Delta variant sparking a surge in COVID cases. And vaccinated people are not immune. Breakthrough cases are fueling talks of booster shots. The Biden administration now recommending a third COVID-19 vaccination dose for Americans eight months after their second shot. Americans who receive their second Pfizer or Moderna shots in January will likely be eligible for boosters starting September 20th. I recently spoke with Dr. Michael Osterholm, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Dr. Osterholm was also a member of President Biden's Transition COVID-19 Advisory Board. I asked him about the need for boosters. We are now in the land of what I call corrected science. Not misinformation, not disinformation, but what we tell you today may not be exactly what it's going to be tomorrow. And I don't mean that in the standpoint that there's some big surprise coming that, uh, oh, by the way, the vaccines don't work or they're not safe, but we're fine tuning what we know about these vaccines over time. That means that we're going to have to figure out at six and seven and eight months following vaccination, do we need boosters? Is this a kind of virus and what it does to our immune system and how our immune system responds? That means that we need to kick it up. We need to have additional boosters. Although the Biden administration is recommending boosters, 40% of Americans still have not gotten a first dose. The administration and states across the country are desperately trying to persuade people to get vaccinated. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you. And that's coming up at 1130 here on WKYT. That's Kentucky Newsmakers. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week ahead.